Hi, my name is Bodhi Asimoto. I'm a staff writer at Kaleo o Hawaii, and welcome back to the Green and Black podcast. With me today, as always, is my editor, Reese Nagaoka, and today we'll be getting into the UNLV game. Let's get into it. So, Reese, before we get started, I want to try something new because, you know, I feel like we've talked a lot about football, but we haven't talked a ton about us. So just how was your weekend? How are you? I was at women's volleyball this past weekend, um, covering it for, for Kaleo. Um, they swept both UC Irvine and UC San Diego. Um, they're now in a really good spot with four games remaining in the regular season schedule. And um, if we need to be more positive on this show, I can just go into this whole thing about the Rainbow Wahine team because let's be honest, they're the really, they're really the only UH team with a good looking outcome right now. Um, you know, like their, their middle blockers are starting to get it together. The offense was clicking when it went through them this weekend. And um, the defense is really good. And then their improvisation is also great. And um, they're really, I think they're really good. The question is, if they make the NCAAs, how far are they going to go? Well, see, that's really nice. You went in a nice fourth direction. I went in a complete opposite direction. Like, so don't get me wrong. This week full, this weekend was definitely painful for me because one, UH lost. Two, Kalani lost their homecoming game. So that was bad. But, um, you know, we went back to print this week. That was really exciting. We came in on Friday to help like clean and do some distribution. That was really fun. Plus, I got free ramen. Yeah, that I got free lunch out of that. That was fun. Yeah, that's right. How was that? I actually left for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I came back. I'm like, oh, oh, Reese is gone. But no, yeah, the, the ramen was actually pretty good. So I was watching the first two contestants go. They said that um, I, th- I think it was the Misa one was really bad. Me and my uh, partner went and we're like, these all taste good. Then again, I, I hadn't had anything yet. So I was very hungry. So I, I will leave that as an asterisk on that. I mean, anything else exciting for you happen? I mean, I know Kaiser is still undefeated. That's right. I think they are. Um, I think what one of the best throwing teams in Division Two. To be fair, that's not saying much. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But um, oh, <laughs> actually, college football. I'll be honest, I didn't watch a lot of. <laughs> I didn't even watch the game we'll be talking about in a little bit because I was actually watching Shang Chi. From this on Disney Plus. Yes, it was. It was a good, good movie, it was right? A good movie. Um, Speaking of good things, I want to ask you one question before we get started. Is it too early to listen to Christmas music? I think it is. For me, it doesn't kick in until maybe after <laughs> Thanksgiving, like Black Friday. I don't care whatever. You can start spring, but um, man, I don't know. It's hard to start. <laughs> celebrating for christmas when you haven't celebrated thanksgiving yet in my opinion i mean pretty i mean not to diminish thanksgiving but isn't it pretty much just everyone getting together for a family dinner it is i guess i don't know because i'm i'm in an ethnic studies class this semester like thanksgiving hasn't been a whole like it, it's miss it's a whole misconception which is what i learned but i don't know to me you you cannot get all I want for Christmas is you. You can't get it out of my head, so I'm going to start playing it as soon as I can after Halloween. <laughs> okay, but to be fair, I'm pretty sure 
family dinners, what you do at Christmas too. Yeah, yeah, but you, but you open presents, you know, it's a whole thing. It, it's a major, I'd say it's a major, major holiday. I, I, I sound like I'm just ragging on Thanksgiving right now. I think any holiday is a major holiday if you get a day off and you get one off on Thanksgiving too. Hell yeah, I guess you're right. I, I think that's enough of holiday talk. Jesus, we're just like ripping on different holidays yeah we're going to be talking about more random things i think this whole thanksgiving is going to be better than what we're going to be talking about (laughs) later on it'll definitely be more positive than what we're talking on later on speaking of positive let's just move into your opening thoughts (laughs) let's get this over with that's a bad segue positive (laughs) Um, well i know what everybody else was thinking it was about what three dozen angry tweets two pissed off radio broadcasters and an offensive coordinator on the hot seat if we're gonna go christmas like that see i don't think he's on the hot seat he at this point he's just sitting on a volcano it's a volcano underneath that man it's weird because i'm pretty sure it's a volcano everywhere else except (laughs) for the one person who matters which is the head coach i mean that defense he's calling the, the defense has been good I don't think it's the defense's fault. I think no, Todd Grant's been a good head coach. It's not, but yeah. It, this is this is going to be the main point for me. This offense has totally squandered the great play from this defense and special teams. Yeah. This is why they're not bowl eligible, in my opinion. I will say there's a small caveat on the special teams. Like returning's been an issue on and off all season, hot and cold. Kicking's been good. Defense has been very good. Yeah, offense has been slow, to put it nicely. Like I said last week. Yeah, to be fair, okay, you're right. Special teams has been kind of meh. You know, they haven't really found a strong punt return. But they came up clutch on Saturday. And again, offense couldn't do anything. I'd like to bring up a tweet according to, uh, I I believe you said that Fuchsia. I, I hope I'm saying that correctly. Apparently, it was the largest turnout of Hawaii fans in two years. Which, I mean, isn't really saying much. They're playing at Allegiant, which has, like, NFL-level capacity. T.C. Ching holds about, I think, 9,000 right now. And even at that, only, what, 5,000 people showed up? But, so, one thing I wanted to look, because I saw a tweet about this, but this is only Todd Graham's fourth losing season as a collegiate head coach. It's kind of surprising, again. A little bit. Yeah. Um, You're going to put up stats. I mean... You know, this is technically the lowest scoring offense by a Graham team since, you know, 10 years ago when he was at Pittsburgh. That Pittsburgh situation was awful. It was. But like we said, it's still. I mean, that's, I feel like this we're going to be talking about. But um, if I'm going to look at the, the post game notes that the athletics department um, provided us with, this is their fourth straight conference loss. They haven't won a conference road game again since Fresno State in the season opener of 2020. Um, first losing record since 2017. Um, I mean, we'll get into this later on, but um, Charles Williams, 266 yards rushing. That's the most allowed by UH since San Jose State, or since they played San Jose State in 2000. That's a long time. Um, Nah, I don't know what to say. I think they're last in the division now, which is unfortunate. But um, 
yeah, a lot to get into. I think it's going to be a lot of ripping today. Speaking from a fan perspective, it wasn't disappointing. It was depressing. It, it's definitely not important. It's just straight depressing. Let's not sugarcoat it here. Let's just start with getting some positive notes out there on what was universally agreed on as a terrible offensive day. I think there was just one play that was really good on offense, right? That was the first one. It was, um, what, the 79-yard strength of Mardner? Yep. Was it play action or did he just go deep? I can't remember. I don't know, but that, that pocket was not bad. It, it was a pretty good pocket. I remember. Yeah. yeah. But apart from that first play, I mean, everything else seemed not so good. I mean, but 10 first downs on offense, that's clearly not going to win you games. Um, but 28 carries for 57 yards on the ground. At some point, you're going to have to turn the passing. I don't know what to say. Um, the fact that, what, 65% of Calvin Turner's total yards from Saturday were from one kickoff return. That's not good, guys. Especially since our kickoff return has been an issue this season. Well, it wasn't like it was a bad kickoff return. I think oh, no, yeah. It's just, it's crazy to think with, like, all the bad returning stories we've had this season that we, we've finally had a good one. Yeah. Um, I did talk to a lot of people actually about this game. Um, one person I did talk to was um, Dave, Dave Reardon at the Honolulu Star Advertiser. And um, I think he said it was a really ugly game to watch. Um, apart from that first play, <laughs> um, I think he said he was really confused by their, um, what Hawaii was really trying to do on that. Because, yeah, they went deep on the first play, got the touchdown. But then I think they tried to go deep on the first play of their next drive. Mm-hmm. But UNLV's safeties were already back playing the deep ball. See, that's crazy because, you know, as Hawaii fans, we're taught a lot about the run and shoot. This is more like the shoot and shoot. No run to set that up. Just, just straight shoot, shoot, shoot. And then after that, it turns into a little bit of just conservative play calling. Yeah, that's what I heard. I think that's what I Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think we I think we need to kind of move on, though, because we can spend days and days questioning this offense and the guy running it. Well, to, to, be, fair, to be fair, let me get in. Nick Marner, for the limited amount of reps he did, he had a good day. He had four receptions for 139 yards. You take out that 79-yard touchdown. He had 60 yards on three receptions, which, I mean, that's a 20-yard average per reception. That's not bad. It, it's a pretty good stat line. So I will give him that one highlight. Um, nine targets, though. That's not. Yeah, see, nine targets isn't great, but I'm trying to trying to focus on the positive here, Reese. We're trying to we're, we're gonna get to that in a minute. Okay. It, it, we we've said this before. It's gonna be a really painful episode. Let me have this. Okay. Yeah, you can just keep talking because I don't have anything positive about this offense. I'll be real. Oh no, that that was it. That was it. That was it. Okay. So now, now, let me read you off the next drives after those after that first touchdown. Three and out. Four and out. Three and field goal. But you want to know what you want to know why that field goal is so depressing? That was after an interception on the UNLV 18. They barely moved the ball. I think it was like three yards to the UNLV 15 before they had to kick a field goal. I'm glad you brought that up. That was one of my talking points for today. Defense. Great job shelling out, man. Three turnovers in the first quarter. And this Hawaii offense got three points off of that. <laughs> three points. I mean, I'm looking at this. I don't think they converted a single first down off those turnovers. I, I, I don't know 
I don't know what to say. I mean, you get the ball back because your defense forces the turnovers <laughs> and you couldn't get a first down from it. Not one. Um, yeah, I, I will say the Rebels quarterback, Cameron Friel, had a really bad day. He, he kind of reminded me of, um, you, you remember Braden Shager's day from the Fresno State game? I do. I mean, it wasn't a great passing performance, but at least he had the touchdown to save it. Cameron Friel's was like that. No touchdowns, two interceptions. He went... 15 for 25, 172 yards, and two picks. That's just, it's it's a bad stat line, but kudos to that Holy's defense. They really stuck it, they really stuck it to them. They really did, but then, you know, we talked about the bad stat line. You know, Charles Williams going for 266 yep. and three scores. Um, but to me, I don't know if it ever should have reached that point. To me, three turnovers in the first quarter again, usually means a big lead early on and instead UNLV was in it the entire way yeah I mean the offense couldn't string together any drives their longest drive of the game was a nine play 43 yard drive took 347 off the clock and only resulted in a field goal you know you couldn't I mean outside that you didn't really see a ton of them moving the ball at all and even when they did they stalled down in the red zone where it counts the most it was just, it was a really bad offensive day for the Bows. Yes, it was. Um, I think the other thing was, was obviously the main storyline was, you know, they're no longer eligible for a bowl, but um, that play calling on the final drive, or not the final drive, but the second to final drive, four runs in a row. I, I cannot emphasize how many angry tweets I saw criticizing that play call. Or those four, not really those four play calls, but those third and fourth down calls. I mean, I feel like we've seen that all season long, though. Because, I mean, there was that, uh, was it the San Diego State game where they, it just, the offense cannot play from behind for some reason. It's just, it hasn't worked at all. And like we said earlier in the podcast, yeah, uh, Bo Graham is definitely sitting on a volcano right now. That seat could not be any hotter right now. And I mean, at this point, with the way the offense is playing, I hate to sound like a downer, but I mean, I'll be surprised if they don't lose out at this point. This was a bad performance by the offense. It's just horrible. It's one of those games where it makes you think what the morale is going to be like. I think it's probably going to be really low. And, I mean, you, you have to imagine, we touched on it a little bit last week, but are there any tensions boiling in the locker room? Because, like, you have to think, this defense, well, despite the large amount of rush yards it gave up, it played really well against the pass. And do, do you think there's any, like, you know, tensions rubbing around in that locker room? It's hard to say because we're not there, first of all. I mean, I, there, there, there were reports, well, not really reports, but rumors that, you know, on that touchdown last week or against San Diego State, whatever, the week before or whatever, um, Cordero to Turner, there was a rumor that he actually checked down to that. It wasn't a, it wasn't the initial play call. But, um, you know, Cordero denied that. It was, he said it was just great game planning, I think. But um, you got to wonder, what's this offense going to be like? Speaking of Cordero, I feel really bad. I, did you see the post-game press conference? I mean, he was holding back tears. It was just, it was hard to watch. 
I, I know you have to feel really bad for all the seniors because they're not going to get that extended season with the bowl game. Yeah. And I know they really wanted to give it to them. Yeah, the, a lot of games that they, you know, would have, should have, could have, and they did it. But um, I guess, I don't know, just keep playing these final two games. You still have a chance to play forward to, I think, Wyoming. You can ruin their bowl efforts if you really feel like it. Um, I think Colorado State, are they still, are they, or did they lose this week? I can't remember. But um, uh, I think they were, they were three and six or something. So they had to win out. See, well. at this point, I feel like the one thing you do have to play for if you're a Hawaii player is you have to play for your pride. Because, I mean, what, what does it say about the team if you just completely lose out the whole rest of the season? It's a bad look for the Hawaii team. Also, yes, uh, so Colorado State did lose to Air Force. Shockingly, we, we talked about Air Force a lot, but Colorado State does lose to Air Force. We're going to get into that a little bit later because that's something I always love to highlight. I know you love that. <laughs> I, did see, I did see a highlight from Air Force. That's why. So I know that's what you're probably going to want to talk about. I will ask you about the passing stats again. But it, back, back to Hawaii. Back to Hawaii. Let's talk about that. Well, let's talk a little bit more to what happened on that defense. Because I, I think you had some good efforts on the pass side. But yeah, like we've said over and over again, Charles Chuckwagon. I didn't realize that was his nickname. Charles Chuckwagon Williams had a 266 yards. And I'm going to get more into his game as we get through the bad. But let, let's start with some of the good. And that pass defense. I mean, safety positions, I, I thought they did really well. Because Solitaire and Corey Bethley had uh, both of the interceptions. And then Isaiah Tufaga. Congratulations. You had the lone sack on the day. Which... It sounds like a little bit of a um, passive-aggressive jab, but no, no, I'm genuinely, like, happy because we haven't seen a lot of sacks. So it's just thank you, Isaiah Tufanga, for getting a sack. And Cortez Davis, the uh, star corner, he's really, really tough. He had a forced fumble and, on someone, and then he also had a pass breakup. So I, I got to get a little bit more into Cortez Davis and his pass breakups, but did really well. Oh, and uh, John... Tui Pupo had a blocked field goal. Yes, that was very good. It was. It was. That was. Again, I was going to talk about that in special teams. But <laughs> it was. It was key, right? Because they needed the ball back. That stopped the field goal first of all, <laughs> and then you set Hawaii up in really good field position. I think. I think they were at. As I look at the drive chart, Nevada at the UNLV forty-one. And nothing happened. Exactly. <laughs> or sorry, not the UNLV 41. Hawaii 38 yard line. But uh, like, like it's been all episode story of the season. It was not good. It is very not good. Um, I mean, do you have I know you have a lot to get to for the bad, so I'll, I'll let you start before I get into all these like crazy statistical numbers that I kind of came up with after the game. Oh man, I don't really have anything bad to say about this defense other than like the, the Charles Williams was 266 yards. But, um, you know, when he had what I think he had like 38 carries, <laughs> so I don't know how you can be too mad, yeah. But, um, man, I don't know. 
I thought they did a really good job getting all those turnovers. They had a fourth down stop too. Like, it was a good performance. It was a good performance. Although I will say, I'm going to headline this segment by saying, after holding the San Diego State uh, team to a season low in rushing yards, the Bose run defense exploded in the Death Star. I'm sorry. I, I'm going to get all these out eventually. Um, That's cool. I, I kind of liked it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I, I love Star Wars, and you know, and I'm a football fan, so got to get that connection in there. But yeah, um, so as I said earlier, Charles Chuckwagon Williams, I love that nickname, went 38 for 266 yards and three touchdowns. So he had 90% of the team's rushing yards. And he had 57% of the team's total offensive yardage. Just, just that one guy. So it was overall, you know, Charles Williams did take over the game. But I, I have to imagine, because late in the game, they were just pounding the rock, trying to run the clock out. So, you know, take, take that with a grain of salt, if you will. Moving on to special teams. I mean, Matt Shipley was, he was all right. I, I will say 43 yards is long for a college kicker. And he, he was period. still, huh? It's just a long period. Yeah, it's a long period. Like, if I go out there, I'm no, and I kick that, I'm going nowhere near the uprights. I, I feel like one of those guys, you watch him kick, and then, like, it goes, like, wide, wide left into the stands. That, that would probably be me. I'm probably the person who slips. But speaking more on Chip, I mean, he was two for three on field goals and one for two on 43 yards. So he eventually redeemed himself. So, you know, good, good on him. And punting, punting was very good. So six punts, 243 total yards and a 40 and a half average. He had three punts within the 20 and one punt over 50 yards. So overall, a very impressive punting performance from Matthew Shipley. Yeah, like you said, you know, the missed field goal, it wasn't really bad considering he's been near automatic on those on kicks this year. And um, yeah, his punting was really good. You know, they had the long return by Turner early on. I think that was about, I think that was the 59 yard kicker turn we we're talking about. And then, like we said earlier, special teams got a clutch block lead with Tui Tupo. But um, yeah, like I said, Hawaii offense, man. It killed them. It killed. Oh, I didn't think of this earlier. I, sh- I could have gone with shot the heart because the offense kind of shot the Hawaii team through the heart. But that, that's neither here nor there. Although we will be getting into the song but now, now, now that we've gone through all three phases of the game. So did, did you see mine yet? I didn't. Oh, good. This will be a surprise then. I'll let you start. Yeah, okay. Um. Man, I'll just I'll go with "Wake Me Up" by Reach. Um, the title was pretty self-explanatory. Um, what a nightmare of a season for Hawaii. I mean, you still got a couple of games left, but if you're a fan, I suppose it's. I'm gonna quote the chorus. You know, you know, wake me up when it's all over. You know, I'm sure this program is gonna get better when you know someone's wiser and older. And um, you know, I think the coaching staff they kind of need to find themselves at this point because. I think they're more lost than the socks that are thrown inside a drive. <laughs> it's 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 questionable. Yeah, I just recently bought some new socks because I have no idea. I have like one sock for like 
five pairs. I don't know where the other ones went. I don't know where they keep going. But anyway, so before I get into my song, let me preface, I'm probably going to save Christmas songs for the next two games because don't get, get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I have a ton of Christmas songs in the tank that I can choose from. Uh, look for last Christmas, maybe. Maybe. But getting into my song, so I went with, God, I'm going to out myself here as an emo high schooler. I'm going to go with I'm Not Okay, I Promise, by My Chemical Romance. For obvious reasons. For obvious reasons. So, I mean, this probably has to be how everyone surrounding Hawaii football feels right now. I mean, I'm, I'm not okay. Because <laughs> this defense is playing really well, or the, it, the past defense at least is playing really well, in my opinion. And Jesus Christ, it's just we keep losing, and it's not it's not good for the Hawaii faithful. I mean, I, I will say some Hawaii fans have been, or for the Hawaii fans that have been through thick and thin for the scene, they have been very, very frustrated. It's just it's horrible, horrible. Everyone's upset with Bo Graham. Some people are even upset with Todd Graham because he hired his son, but I mean, to me, it's not that bad. You take a chance on your son, whatever. But if he sucks, then you should maybe move him. But it's just, no one's okay. I promise. Just nothing nothing about this season has gone okay. Well, if you're going to, you know, people are talking about like Todd Cram, but like, that's what I don't get. You put an inexperienced person as your coordinator. And then you hire inexperienced people to be the <laughs> offensive coaches. Like, what? Like, Eliminian is a running backs coach. I don't think he's ever coached on the offensive side up until this year. You know, you got young coaches and Marcus Davis and Elite Terry. Um, well, I think I think Sam Bennett. This is only like his fourth stop on the coaching carousel or whatever you want to call it. But um, man, I don't know. I kind of would have thought you put either experience and either your assistants or your coordinator and I think there's neither over there I think one point that we do have to bring up that I think my dad has told me and so is um, Tanner is while we would like to see better corners I mean in, in my opinion at least we have the money to bring in at least more experienced people but yeah like my like uh, everyone said like do we have enough money to bring in those people it's a fair question, but in my opinion, I think you could have brought in cheaper people who maybe had more experience, like like you said, more experience than um, the coaching staff currently on hand. It was interesting because everybody's like, like he should be fired, all that, or he should be stripped of his coordinator title. But um, who would replace him anyway? I think there's only two people on staff who have experience as an offensive coordinator. <laughs> One is Victor Santa Cruz, the defensive ends coach. That's not really in a suitable situation. And I think the other is their, their football operations director, <laughs> um, Landon Keofel, or however you pronounce his last name. I, I didn't really look, but um, yeah, it, it's, I think they're just kind of stuck in a situation for now. This, this office, uh, this off season will definitely be an interesting one to watch. Because you assume there's going to be a ton of turnover. If there's not, I think you could see attendance maybe drop. Because 
this team is already under a ton of scrutiny. And if it if there's no turnover and they decide to go through with this coaching staff, like run it back, it's it's gonna be ugly. You know what's bad when people were saying Norm Chow had a better <laughs> offense than this? Like it, it's bad. I think they've started to lose faith in this coaching staff. And what's great is it's only his second year. I think it's a little so th- this year's coaching staff, yeah, sure, but I-, I think it's a little early for people to call for Graham's, uh, Todd Graham's job. Bo Graham, in my opinion, he should be out. Which I, I've, so some people have told me, you can't make that definitive a statement. Well, I'm going to say it because this offense has looked disjointed bad all season long. That's what everybody says. You can't hire your son to be the coordinator <laughs> if he's not very good at it. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I only thing I think Todd Graham leaves is if a Texas job opens up, in my opinion. That's about it. Who do you think will take over the head coaching job? Oh, you know what would really make Hawaii fans terrible? I mean, Hawaii fans mad? Todd Graham leaves for a Texas job. You know who takes the head coaching job? Bo Graham. No, that's never that. I hope that never happens. But that would piss a lot of people off. Yeah, it probably would. I don't think that's going to happen. I feel like my take is if Graham leaves, I feel like Santa Cruz is going to be the next head coach. You know, you know, former Hawaii player, loves the state. I think that's the right person you want as your coach, right? But, um, you know, I was looking at the contracts. Costs a lot to buy Todd Graham out anyway. So I think they're just going to keep him. It's not like he's a bad coach. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, Todd Graham's a good coach. You know, he, he runs a good defense. Um, you know, his players respect him. I mean, I think he – I don't know what his graduation rate is with them, but I think their academics are really squared as well. It's just – Plus, he hasn't given us the death glare yet. Not yet. Not yet. On Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> um, if he does listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, if he is, how are you doing, coach? Thank you for listening. But yeah, you know, I think it's just, you know, this one bad choice. But um, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I don't know when. December, January. Coaching carousel's already starting to open up. Um, I want to get into that later. But yeah, the Washington job just opened up. Yeah, another one too. And then um, I think Florida International, they're opening up too. But um, that's considered one of the worst jobs, even in Florida. Which well, is- yeah, which is crazy. Because if you think about it, he goes down there. Eventually, he'll be Florida man does something insane it's not even that i was reading about this and it was like the florida international job it's like it's in miami and it's still considered one of the worst jobs (laughs) because apparently they haven't been able to to like do um recruiting in the last two years they're old running old uniforms and pads (laughs) what more can you say about that program hey can you name any fiu football players or like alum can't i know there are some i can't remember there are a couple i i, um, I can name one you name one because he's on the patriots he's on the patriots yep john U. smith oh yep man. the athletic tight end i i thought it, it was really it's really interesting watching him come out of fiu but it's, it's been an interesting it's been an interesting season i will say that is the one thing that gave me comfort this weekend the Patriots absolutely blowing out the Browns. It's crazy. They, I, I, 
I actually didn't watch that one. Got up too late to watch. <laughs> but um, yeah, they look like they're starting to get into shape come January, and it's a weak AFC comp AFC this season. So, see, I, I'm hedging my bets as a Patriots fan. I'm a little worried because I, I think Mac Jones is a good quarterback. I just I don't know if the team has it what it takes to win a Lombardi this year. I, I just, I'm hedging my bets here. People, I forgot something. Football players who went to FIU, T.Y. Hilton. <laughs> See, I don't know. That's the thing. Like, I, I feel like T.Y. Hilton was good when we were just growing up. And any other, like, kid who <laughs> grew up now, like, is who's T.Y. Hilton? Just like uh, apparently some kid told Tanner that uh, Tyron Matthew was the best safety the Chiefs have ever had. Just it hurt. It hurt my heart. Something like that, right? It was yeah. Like, it was like Eric Berry or who's Eric Berry or something. It's like, oh, I wonder who Eric Berry is. Or like some kids today only know Steve Smith, uh, Se- Steve Smith Senior as a Raven. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole crazy thing with the generational cap. Uh, but now, let's talk about some Mountain West games of the week. Uh, I feel like we probably had the same game just because there was only one like really close game in, in the Mountain West. It was, it was, the mo- it was clearly the most important game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was for the West Division. Yeah, it was Nevada, San Diego State. Yeah, um, you know, went down to the final minute. You know, punter god Matt Ariza with the late field goal. <laughs> but um and then I, I only watched about the last minute of it or when San Diego State was driving, whatever you want to call it. But um man, those two plays they had on defense, what what a pair of clutch pass pickups. <laughs> like that that's probably gonna be what puts them in the Mountain West championship game. I, I will say I did like that uh Aztec defense a lot and you know, it, it came alive where it counted in that last drive. But I think they did have to um, – they, they didn't really get a ton. The Wolfpack didn't get a ton on the ground game because I, I, I believe the, the team rushing yards for the Wolfpack was eight, just, just eight. Now, I believe that number isn't sack-adjusted, but still. Toa Tawa only had like 30-something yards. And it, it really all fell on Carson Strong, who threw it 48 times for 350 yards and three touchdowns. And I, I you said punter god Matt Ariza. So Ariza had four or five punts go over 50 yards, and he had three touchbacks. You know, now I, I'm not a voter for the Heisman, but Matt Ariza got my vote for the Heisman. Punters are people too. He better win the Ray Guy too. Uh, I think he just got named the Mountain West Special Teams Player of the Week too, so rats did him. But um, he should just be Mountain West Player Special Teams Player of the Year at this point. He He's been that good. Be. Yeah. Uh oh yeah, so we talked about this a little bit, but um, Jimmy Lake is out in UW midway through his second season. Uh, they they credit it to um a number of things. One, his four and six season so far. Two. No, apparently there's been no fan support, which is hilarious because I just got off um 
talking with my dad about how UW fans come out in droves, but more on that. And there was a thing that I actually didn't know about until now, until I read about it. So apparently he hit a redshirt freshman linebacker, Ruperake Fuovai. I hope I'm saying that correct, but just terrible look for Jimmy Lake. It's, it's, yeah, that was unfortunate. That was why he was suspended this past weekend. Yeah. And, um, to paraphrase what someone said online, I don't know a coach who got fired for losing a game he didn't even coach. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you said, it was just no fan support. Um, I think the recruiting was terrible. But, um, um, you know, like Billy Hall said from the Star Advertiser, who would have thought that both him and Nick Rolovich would never coach an Apple College <laughs> in, in their tenure? But, um, yeah, it's another West Coast job that's open. I don't know how enticing it is, though, because I think all those academic requirements you got to comply with. But um, it's a it's in a great area, first off. Seattle's awesome. It's going to be interesting to see who gets that job. Hey, you dub. I'm available. <laughs> you might as well just apply for the Washington State jobs. I'll apply for all the jobs. <laughs> but um, I, think, I don't think we're allowed to, maybe because we don't have college degrees. That's true. It's a it's a learning experience. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, another uh, top twenty five game that I want to get to was um, Oklahoma. They followed a Baylor. That was a big one. I was listening to it on my ride into work. Uh, so you saw Caleb Williams do bad, and honestly, they they put in Spencer Rattler, but he he didn't play any better. I think Caleb Williams was definitely the better quarterback. I think just OU just got outplayed by Baylor. Uh, so Williams, for, for context, Williams went 10 for 19, 146 yards, two picks, and three sacks. On the ground, he was 10 for 17 yards and one touchdown. Rattler, uh, he came in relief in the fourth quarter, so his stats obviously weren't great. But I think the one indicative thing, Maybe it's because they're passing so much, but still, four for six, 36 yards, two two sacks, two sacks. Uh, it's just it's shocking that he got two sacks in relief time. Uh, the Baylor defense kept the OU offense down all game. It was impressive to see. And QB, I believe that's, I, I, that's Gary, right? I, I assume it's Gary Bohannon. He rallied the Bears, but... It wasn't in the traditional sense of, you know, throw the ball because he, he wasn't he wasn't good to there. It was 12 for 21, 117 yards, one touchdown to one interception where he really led the Baylor Bears was on the ground. He had nine attempts for 107 yards and two touchdowns. I believe he was also the Baylor. Uh, I believe he was also the Bears second leading rusher. So, I mean, good on Yerry. I think it's Jerry. Actually. Is it Jerry? I think it's Jerry. But, um, yeah. I, I will like I would like to apologize. I did not know that. I'm very sorry. Know. That's what it looks like to me. I'm not sure. But um yeah, what a game. Like what the, this is I think some people called this the worst offensive performance by Lincoln Riley's or an Oklahoma team under Lincoln Riley. And um what? But um yeah, like that Dave Aranda defense. You know, they're they're really good, which is surprising out of a big 12 team. 
But um, yeah, it's interesting. This was an interesting week for Oklahoma, right? Because there was like Lincoln Riley wasn't there for media availability because apparently there was a flight from Norman to Baton Rouge. So there's a lot of speculation about that, I think. Oh, is he going to take the LSU job? I don't think so. But it's interesting because everybody was speculating on that. And then if we're going to talk about other Big 12 games, you got to talk yep. about Kansas-Texas. Yep. The two-point conversion to Jared Casey. The walk-on fullback from Kansas. <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to be in the game. But, you know, the injuries forced him in. You cannot make this stuff up. On top of that, did you listen to the video from his family? No, I, I didn't. It was incredible. It, it, it was it was it was awesome to watch. They were like they were excited. They didn't even know it was him who caught it at first. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious. And on, I don't know if you saw my Twitter. Well, but it, to be fair, if they were sitting around the same spot where Jordan Love's family was sitting, I mean, it's kind of hard to spot anyway. No, I was <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, I think they were. They were in the far end zone, so they were in the opposite yeah. end zone from where they were. So oh. I was like, yeah. But um, I don't know if you follow my Twitter too, but um, or if you saw it, um, I follow a former OU Daily writer, um, George, George Stoya, retweeted an old picture of his where the Hollywood sign says, um, Texas lost to Kansas in football. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's weird. I keep seeing reports about how um, Steve Sarkeesian has lost the locker room in, in Austin, but if if you're the Longhorns administration, I think you still have to buy into what he's selling for now. I mean, it's not like his coaches are, you know, not getting on the players. It's not like they're running four runs in a row in a fourth down situation where, you know, they're, they're losing. But, yeah, yeah. I, I don't think Arch Manning goes to Texas, though. I, I hope not. That would be my worst nightmare. No, I think he goes to SEC, doesn't he? Well, I mean, Texas is joining the SEC eventually. That's true. Yeah, but I think he's going to some SEC school that's already there. That's true. Maybe I'll miss. I mean, the Big Twelve had a lot of good games too. Did, like the sixty-two-yard field goal <laughs> from Texas Tech. That was amazing. They're bull eligible now, which is incredible. Um, you want to talk about the SEC? <laughs> well, hold on. I want to talk a little bit more about the Kansas-Texas game first, because Bijan Robinson. Confirmed now out for the season. That's a big blow to the Texas team. Uh, but yeah, yeah, okay. We, we can get into some SEC action. And since we're taking this from a college angle, you know how there's stuff like Maction? Let's get into this discussion section. Yeah, you like that? Really, <laughs> uh, not as much as the Star Wars, but um, I really only have one thing to talk about in the SEC. <laughs> and that was Sanford beating up you know, 42 to 35. <laughs> At halftime against Florida, you know, Florida won, but when I think when an SEC FCS team drops what 52, 52. On, on you, I think you need to reevaluate <laughs> things. I, I think can we confirm now Florida is no longer DBU? They gave up 416 yards to an FCS Sanford team. Were they ever DBU? So there there was a little debate because I mean they've had I, I can't think of everyone who's come out. I know they had. Okay, going through CJ Henderson, going through this list is gonna be depressing. I think did Vernon Hargraves go to Florida? I think he did. I'm not sure. Uh, It's it's been a long list of maybe not so, or lately it's been not so great corners coming out of Florida. Florida is not even in like 
I, I, I didn't even think they were DBU. I thought it was either going to be like Alabama, LSU. LSU for me. LSU is DBU, in my opinion. Uh, so CJ Henderson, Marcus May, the Jet safety. I, I like Marcus May. Marcus May is a good. Quincy Wilson, Tease Tabor. Jan- oh, Jack Rabbit. Jack Rabbit technically went to U of F before he got that weird suspension. Yeah, I was right. Vernon Hargraves. Uh, who else? Yeah, it's it's just it, it hasn't been great because you look at all these guys. Quincy Wilson, I, I don't know if he's on a team. Tease Tabor might be somewhere, but a lot of these guys are depth guys. Even Ver, Vernon Hargraves, I think he's with the Texans now. He's doing all right, but nowhere up to that first round billing. And Jack Rabbit had a good career, but now he's kind of in that retirement stage with the Saints. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to argue with you here for a little bit. I, Alabama seems more like the DBU to me. I'm looking at who they produce. You know, you got not only you got like a couple of picks in Sertain and, um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick, but you also have what, Landon Collins, Marlon Humphrey, Kareem Jackson, Eddie Jackson. Like the list goes on and on and on about the number of DBs that that school has produced. So I hate to use this name, but um, so I'm going to go with Blitz Boy, Jamal Adams, which uh, that, that doesn't bode well when the first DB I think of is named Blitz Boy. He's not really the DB anymore, <laughs> is he? He's just a, he's just a fast one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Patrick Peterson, Tyron Matthew, Trey White, who I like a lot. Okay, that's a pretty good. <laughs> oh, no, this is where it gets bad. Morris Claiborne, Eric Reed, Dante Jackson, Panthers. Uh, I think he's number uh, He's the number two still, yeah, because uh, they have Stephon Gilmore. Um, Jalen Collins. Do you remember Jalen Collins? I don't think so. So he was a second-round pick by the Falcons. He had issues and everything. He's... And he might be out of the league now, but he, he was a he was a god in man. And you, you took him, he was like 75 or all very good, very good. Uh Jalen Mills, Creedy Williams, and oh Grant Delpit, Kevin Tolliver. I okay, so this is a weird name that I, I know Kevin Tolliver because back before I knew what scouting actually was, all I did was look at like the guy. I was like, oh, my God, a 6-2 corner. That's amazing. But Kevin Toller, it's all right, but eh, not not great. But you know what? You, you might be right. With track record, may, maybe Alabama. They just have a lot of – they just have a really good oh, track record. Derek Stingley. He's still Derek right, Stingley. He? Very good. Anyway, w- one last thing is – Ohio State killed Purdue. What was supposed to be a close game turned out to be a 28-point win for the fourth-ranked Buckeyes. Good on you, C.J. Stroud, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Haskell Garrett. It was a good win. I think a lot of people were surprised. Yes, they were. I think what that was that was kind of the memes, right? Because when Purdue got, Purdue beat Ohio State a couple years ago, everybody thought it was going to be interesting because what. The, Already upset Michigan State this year and all that. And um, I'm looking at the AP poll right now. Ohio State's five. 
um, interesting to me. But um, yeah, moving on. So well, one more thing. So <laughs> I feel like I'm just alienating everyone with all the reference I make because I don't think anyone knows Marvel comics that well or as well as me. <laughs> but um, I like to liken Purdue to a Marvel character called Gore the God Butcher because Purdue will come out of nowhere and just like kill top-ranked Big Ten teams out of nowhere. And that, that's the energy that I get from Purdue. Uh, now let's get into uh, the preview segment of our episode with uh, Colorado State. Oh, that reminds me. Air Force has stats. Go. This is our new... Tr- this is going to be our new pit. Our new rolling segment. Yup. <laughs> All right. Um, I know it was probably north of 100 because they had that 92 yard touchdown pass. So, See, with Air Force, you can never know, though. They could have had four pass attempts with one reception for 92 yards and a touchdown. Was it four pass attempts? No, it was not. I still think it was probably a lot. I Because I feel like even if you pass, you still have to get, like, I feel like they're not going to throw short passes. In my opinion, that's why. Because it, it was not short passes. Yeah, because if you're gonna if you're gonna throw it short, you might as well just run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably say like 110, 120. How many completions? How many attempts? Uh, yeah. uh, let's see. Because if I say if I say about 120, mm-hmm. 92 of those were from one pass. <laughs> so if my math is correct, that's about what 28, 28 passing yards. You could probably easily get that on like two or three completions. So I'll probably say like four. Four for. Now, yeah, see, know. this is the tricky one the attempts. Attempts. Yeah. Because I, I will say you are correct on the completions. Okay. So what are you saying? They, they threw a lot then? Like 15 times that much? See, this is like, this is why I play poker a lot. Because. I guess it helps with the mask, but you can't read my face. I can't. That's why I'm like struggling on this one. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously, he threw like fifteen. Then, if you're if you're giving me like these, like he didn't throw that well. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Well, kind of right. Four for eleven, 121 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. And then, yeah, yeah it, was, so it, it was a weirdly normal passing day. Or outside of the completion and attempts, normal passing day. But mo- moving on, let's get into the. Um, they're going to play um, Adazio's Colorado State Rams. And so I did a little bit of research. I went through all the um, national rankings with their pass yards allowed, run defense, pass offense, rush offense, all that good stuff. So I could check out all the matchups. Yeah, Hawaii's losing all of those right now. So Hawaii's pass offense is ranked 59th. Colorado State pass yard offense allowed is 11th. Very good, very good. And then on, on the flip side, Colorado State's pass offense is ranked 69th. Nice. <laughs> and Hawaii's um, pass yards allowed, they're ranked 120th. 
which is a very bad number. Uh, run defense uh, for Hawaii is ranked 81st. Rush offense for Colorado State, 69th. And then run offense for Hawaii is 87th. And run defense for Colorado State is 85th. So overall, matchup nightmare for the Bows. Yeah, like you said, but um, it, it really is a bad matchup. Like what? They're 13th in the country in total sacks. I think like Mohamed Kamara seven, has seven of them for the Rams this season. And then I guess depending on how this Hawaii offensive line comes out on Saturday, um, I think Cordero's in a lot of trouble, isn't he? I mean, I'm looking at sacks allowed, 116th in the country for Hawaii. They give up three sacks a game. So um, I think they're in trouble on Saturday. Um, but um, looking at them overall, I think it's a tale of two terrible offenses facing each other. I think I saw, I saw the Mountain West Wire Street saying how predictable Colorado State's offense is. If that's the case, buckle up, folks. Sounds like another defensive showdown with these two strong defenses. See, what, what I'd like to see, I, I will say that sounds like I'm scared because I I, I might fall asleep. Well, I, that's what I'm thinking. It's either going to be a really slow defensive showdown or it's going to be a high-octane shootout. It's, see, there's no in-between. I don't know. I, I see the in-between as maybe being like a high-octane defensive showdown with just a bunch of sloppy offensive plays. That's true. I mean, both of these teams, they average, I think, less than 30 points a game for offense. Yeah, what, what I found really weird in their offensive style is that um, so their uh, their lead running back, David Bailey, has 40% of the total rushing yards, but their quarterback is, I would say, is it, a good chunk of their rushing offense with 27% of their total uh, rush yards. Uh, but in the red zone, they're going to use Bailey as their tailback. So just look out for him when they get down there. It's, but, but the main part of that offense you have to look out for. I'm going to highlight this all episode or all preview long. Trey McBride. I mean, he, I think he's recognized as nationally like one of the best tight ends in the country. Uh, I mean, he's 17th in the country with 919 receiving yards. And that's with every single receiver like even wide receivers running backs tight ends all that and then he's seventh in uh the country with uh in regards to receptions per game with 7.8 so they're going to target him a lot but he's only one touchdown this season but i will say don't let that fool you because i watched some of the tape on him from 2019 so he's six four two sixty. he's athletic enough to like stay on the sideline and like run up you try and tackle him at the legs he'll just jump over you and he'll stay in the side it's very impressive in my opinion but then he's also big enough to the point where he's just gonna run through you and box you out of catches that's a good point because like we saw early in the year in las cruces boy had a really hard time tackling the big tight end so that like you said offensively he's a big threat you know you got the quarterback todd Santeo. You know, you said, like you said, rushing is really just Senteo and David Bailey. And I don't know if Senteo, it's just scrambling or not, or designed runs, but um, I would think that defensively, he's also can't fall asleep on um, 
Bailey's backup, um, Adrian Vivens. I mean, you, you talked about this a little bit with, I think, Jonah Johnson. They've been not great at containing the quarterback out the back on the backfield because I remember you said that the, the quarterback contain has looked very leaky and not able to contain anything this season. Yeah, I don't know if it's – they're playing contain, but then they get beat on the edge or they either bite on it and then they get beat. So we saw that in San Diego State. But, um, yeah, like I said, I think if there are going to be scores, they might become on the defensive side. I mean, well, you got Colorado's good against the pass. They're average against the run. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but um, they do give it up a lot as well. Uh, speaking more back on that tight end situation, you said that um, in Las Cruces they had trouble dealing with that big tight end. Another, I harken back to the Nevada game when they Cole Turner took over that game. They've had trouble covering tight ends throughout the whole entire season. And Trey McBride, one of the best, it, it kind of scares you defensively a little bit. Hopefully they game plan for him because he seems to be one of their only receivers. But, you know, it'll be an interesting show. Yeah, you want to talk about interesting. The one, the one unit that stood out to me is that special teams unit. Um, their kicker, Caden Camper, he leaves the country in field goals per game. Um, usually that means your offense is not that great <laughs> um, or doesn't score a lot of touchdowns in them. Yeah, we keep talking about, you know, Matt Ariza and how he's one of the best punters in the country. Well, here's another one with Ryan Stonehouse. You know, he's second in the country behind Ariza. You know, he, he drops about, what, 50 yards a punt, too? I think it's 51.7. And then statistically, got one of the best kickoff coverage units in the country as well. But um, that said, they do give up a lot in the punt return game. So it'll be interesting to see that team on Saturday. So it sounds like... It's going to be two bad punt coverages, too. That's, that should be an interesting battle because, you know, we don't talk about special team battle a lot. I mean, we talked about that punting, that epic punting battle versus San Diego State. But with the punt coverage and the really, like, dismal punt returning for Hawaii this season, it's going to be interesting to see who comes out on top in that situation. It, it is, like... The field position game is going to be such a critical thing to watch come Saturday. And uh, let me just quickly run through. So whenever I get my flip sheet, which is like this green sheet with all the uh, lineups and depth charts and everything, let me highlight some of the defensive players that I'm probably going to circle on my sheet come game day. So I'm going to go with uh, the defensive backs, uh, Marshawn Cameron, Rashad Ajayi, who each had five pass breakups. So I think uh, Marshawn Cameron has one interception as well. But um, these are guys that are going to win at the catch point. They're not going to let you, you know, get an easy one up top. And then Robert Floyd leads the team with a pair of interceptions. So that's three guys already that are in the secondary that kind of scare you. And you talked about a little bit uh, about Muhammad Kamara, who has seven sacks and nine TFLs. Um, you, you, another guy who's going to fly around the field is going to be Cameron Carter. He has six sacks, seven and a half TFLs, and he leads the team by like a significant amount with 83 total tackles on the year. So he's going to be that guy who kind of like in the middle of that defense, he's going to fly around, hit guys in the mouth, and you're going to bring them down. And then in the trenches, look for um, Scott Patchen. I, I hope you said that, <laughs> that name. 
but he's going to get to the QB. He's going to get in the backfield. He has six sacks, 11 TFLs, five QB hits, and two force fumbles. So I think you, you're going to look for him to like maybe cause a lot of trouble for Hawaii in that backfield. Uh, Gene Pryor and company are going to have a lot on their hands. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk about players you want to highlight. I'm bringing it back to special teams again. Thomas Panuzio got a punt return touchdown this year. So, like I said, this could really come down to defense and special teams again come Saturday. I will say this is really crazy because, you know, you like the defensive showdowns and I like highlighting the defense. And then I like the special teams and you're highlighting all the special teams. Yes. It's been really interesting how this shaked out. I want to clear this up on the record. I do love offensive shootouts, but I I also... (laughs) you got to respect the defensive games, man. It's really fun to watch them chill out. I know that's kind of boring. I mean, sometimes they kind of are. But, um, you know, respect to them because they work their butts off. Isn't that what you did for your um, journalism final last semester? You did something on the spread offense, yeah? Or no, just I pa- I passing? Just, I think I just brought up something. It was, a, it was an idea, that's why, about why there's so many offensive coaches in the NFL. And it's like, what? I think there's about six or seven of them who are all under 30 who have been former offensive coordinators. Or not 30, under 40, excuse me. But um, yeah. I'm under 40. Yeah. Yeah. Hire me. Yeah. You might as well go. <laughs> just talk to your high school. Yeah. 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 Oh, God. <laughs> I'm not calling you out, Mr. Melamai. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> but um, moving into our second to last segment. What do you think the Warriors need to do to win this game? Because, you know, you obviously don't want to see them lose out because then then things are just going to get really ugly and there's going to be a lot of pressure on that Wyoming game. Oh, man. What, last two weeks, it was limit the turnovers. <laughs> um, and then Cordero had two interceptions. So you make it three for three? Well, I think, I don't know. I guess that would be one. But um, I think they got to be more explosive on offense. Like, you can't be like, okay, first play, we're going to throw a deep bomb, get it, and then be like, I am a head out. <laughs> like, your defense forced three turnovers in the first quarter. You only got three points. That's not right. Um, but when it comes to the defense, on the defensive side, man, I don't know. Just keep doing what you're doing. I don't know how you can eclipse what you're doing on that side. I think you'd have to be near perfect in their case. Yeah, I liked your... Uh meme that you tweeted out there and thing and that was awesome the spongebob where it goes where flanky goes let him have it and then spongebob says here you can have it i think i think i need to put out a new one after this week man. <laughs> i think i'll put out that i i'm gonna head out then or something all right so i i feel like i'm always uh preface uh prefacing this segment with I am not a football coach in any regard, and I have never played the game. But <laughs> here I go anyway. So on, on the offense, I think what would be really cool to see is you talked about how their offensive line hasn't been the, the greatest. I think to account for that uh, lapse in play, maybe run a moving pocket. That way you get like the leverage of pass, uh, of run blocking. And you get your line moving so they get a little bit more power underneath them. That way you can play. And then that kind of works out because it plays into Cordero's strength as a running quarterback. He, he can throw relatively well on the move. Uh, and then 
as for which way you move, I say you slant the line towards um Patchen and Kamara because they're your two um top sack artists. So you're gonna want to get them moving off the line so you can eliminate them from the game. And then I think that's what gives you a fighting chance with also sticking to a bit of a run heavy attack. Cause I, I mentioned you saw three defensive backs that kind of scare you. So maybe you just, just run it. Deidre Carson. Deidre Carson's a good running back. So is Day Day Hunter. So uh, I think you run it with Day Day and Diedrich up the middle. And when you want to bounce it to the outside, go with Calvin Turner. He's probably one of your best. He's one of the best people on the game uh, for the bows, but in terms of field vision, because you've seen all those times where he looks like Bo Jackson running literally back and forth across the field and he'll run it back one more time, bounce it to the outside, take it for a touchdown. We saw it against the Portland state game. That was just, that was a crazy play uh, defensively. I mean, I don't want to say too much because the defense, because the defense has played really well. But I will say you, I, I'd like to see maybe a spy out there just because uh, Santeo is such a mobile quarterback. I mean, I, I told you accounted for 27% of the total rushing yards. So it's just, it's something I want to see. But they also have to game plan for Trey McBride because he is basically their entire receiving offense. Yeah, um, like you said, like you said, they're probably going to have probably like Bethley or something on him as a spy or Frazier and whoever's in the spur maybe. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they put on McBride. Maybe they put like Solo Turner or somebody. But um, it's interesting you said run the ball more. <laughs> looking at looking at the numbers I put up from where I compiled that I put up on my Twitter. Um, when they run the ball more they win obviously i mean i'm looking at their numbers and their wins they run the ball about 60 percent of the time with that said when they lose they only average about three yards a carry which is well below the average see i think that's a little bit dangerous too because it, it all depends on how you run the ball too because like if you just keep running up the gut you know it, it's harder to run probably up the gut than it is to bounce it to the outside it's another thing too when you run these wildcat formations because you're you're all but guaranteeing it's a run. And when you sit up wherever you position your quarterback, you know the run's going that way anyway. So I don't know. See, this is where we get more complaints on the offense where it's like if you're gonna run the wildcat, don't make it so predictable because teams are gonna look at things, you know. We we got two guys who don't even play football, and we already know. We didn't even have to look at tape or anything because we've been to all the games. If it's a wildcat, they're obviously going to run it with Turner. They haven't passed except for that. Was it that one versus Oregon State? That wasn't even a wildcat. Oh, God. That was like a reverse. But, yeah, whenever it's a wildcat, it's just it's always going to be a run. Everybody knows it, including us. I like this direct snap to the running back as much. But when you run it like every other drive or whatever, doesn't really it kind of loses, loses its effectiveness, doesn't it? It certainly does. Now on to I guess our final thoughts, which it's it's been a tough it's been a rough episode, buddy. It has been. Um, apologize for being so rough to our viewers, but um, you know, it's just the kind of season it's been. Yeah, it's been a disappointing season to be honest. I mean, a lot of people are not going to be happy with 
not being bowl eligible. And this is kind of a turning point, isn't it, for this team? Um, you know, what happens in these next couple months is going to be like heavily monitored. So keep a pop up, keep a bag of popcorn ready, I guess. See, for me, uh, I don't know that the ship has kind of sailed on this season. And at this point, the only hope I feel so bad for saying this the only hope that Hawaii fans have left is to not lose out in these final two games. Because the tensions have already boiled over. Everyone's pissed at Bo Graham. And um, if you want my opinion, I don't, it would be a terrible look if they bring him back as OC in 2022. I, I know some people would argue that, you know, continuity for continuity's sake, but it's just, it's going to kill the Hawaii faithful if you do it. I think they. You're right. They, they need a change in direction. Like, yeah, they change coordinators, but the numbers are the same. They're not improving. They're on pace to be the same. If you look at the 2020 offense too. And like, like you said, it's just. That's a need. Someone's going to be less predictable. I think you need someone who actually has coordinator experience. That too. That, well, I mean, okay. So one thing I will say as, as a college student who has no experience i think experience is a rough thing because I, I will say on bo Grant's behalf it it's not entirely a lack of experience right because i mean coming into this semester we had a lack of experience that's true now here we are i think you know you have to get experience somehow and you know you got to start somewhere but the fact that there hasn't really been... Yeah, the fact that this season's been terrible has been, yeah. There's been... I don't think there's been any progress. Yeah. This so so that, that definitely is a bad look, but yeah, I wouldn't blame uh, Bogram's yeah, anti-success on his lack of experience. Yeah, it's, it's not all on him. That's why. But um, going back to it, this is the final home game of the year. I think you got to win this one, don't you, for your seniors? There's no bowl game, that's why. So, yeah, you know, Cardell was really sad he wasn't able to get seniors a bowl game. But yeah, moving into this, they have to win senior night, if not for the fans, but for morale. And I guess that that's how we'll leave it off on the admittedly depressing note. But anyway, moving into, uh, I guess a, a happier note. Thank you for listening to the Green and Black Podcast. You know, we'll be back again next week recapping the Colorado State game and previewing the uh, the regular season finale, or, well, I guess just the season finale at this point because they're not making a bowl game, in Laramie and Wyoming. See you next week. Thanks for listening.